What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast, Behind the Line. My name is Luke Wilson. I'm your host. I'm a student here at Grand Canyon University, majoring in sports management, and today I'll be comparing some young players in the NBA. I also have a special guest joining us today. I'll let him introduce himself. What's up, Luke? Thanks for having me today. Uh, my name's Landon, and I'm a student at GCU2. I'm here majoring in marketing and management, and can't wait to talk some hoops with you. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, Landon. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited to get right into things and talk about some young talent in the NBA. Obviously, this year has been a crazy year with COVID, and there's definitely been some big stars that are young in the league that have had some severe injuries this year. Just looking at John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Killian Hayes, just some guys with very high ceilings that have been hurt, not able to participate. But today, we're going to be breaking down some young talent for you in the NBA, and we're going to jump right into things. So Landon, the first question that I have for you today is looking at three young point guards in the NBA, Markel Fultz, DeJounte Murray, and LaMelo Ball. Who would you want in five years leading your franchise and why? I would definitely have to go with LaMelo Ball from what I've seen so far this year. He's averaging 14, 6, and 6 with only about 20 to 25 minutes a game. And he's just proven to me that he can be an elite uh, scorer and playmaker in this league. He's still only 19 years old, and he has so much upside. His creativity and his passing and scoring and just all-around offensive game is remarkable. He does lack in some defensive skills and effort, maybe, and has one of the highest turnover rates in the league for how many minutes he plays, but he's a player that I really like for the future, and as he continues to get comfortable with the game and the NBA, I could see him being a star very soon. Yeah, Landon, I totally agree. I definitely believe LaMelo Ball has the highest upside. Just looking at his advanced offensive game like you were touching on, he's just so calm and comfortable when he steps on the court. I think a huge part of this is the pro experience he had coming into the NBA. Although he's the youngest out of Markel Fultz, DeJounte Murray, and himself, he definitely seems the most comfortable, relaxed, and he knows his role on the court. And I think that's the biggest part looking at LaMelo Ball is you know when he steps on the court, he's going to produce. And I think down the stretch, he's the kind of guy that I would trust to make a big play. You saw him make some big plays in the NBL for the Illawarra Hawks last year. And right now, him getting more minutes, you're seeing his production rates go up. Therefore, he's showing his value and that he knows how to play at this level and that he'll be beneficial in the short term and long term future, whether that's with the Charlotte Hornets or with another NBA team. Yeah, Luke, I completely agree with everything you said. Next, let's touch on DeJounte Murray. This is a guy I really like and I think is one of the more underrated players in the league. He's one of the best defensive guards in the league, in my opinion, with his length and his versatility as a defender. I really like him as a guy who can facilitate for the team. He averages five assists a game, and he's also one of the best rebounding guards in the league, averaging seven rebounds a game. I really like what Pop has done with him in his system, and I think as he continues to grow in his game, he can be a great point guard in this league. Thanks, Landon. I definitely agree with what you had to say. I believe DeJounte Murray has a very high ceiling as well. He's definitely one of the best rebounding guards, and I think a huge part of it is what you touched on, his versatility, and he's big for a guard. He's 6'4 for a point guard, which is bigger than most point guards in the NBA, which I think he can use that size to his advantage on the defensive end. You see him, he's very scrappy, and he just gets it done defensively. And I think Um, Definitely playing in the Popovich system, that's a huge thing to be a defensive-minded guard. You look at what Popovich could do with Kawhi. Um, Kawhi obviously playing small forward for him, but look what he shaped Kawhi into. You definitely can see a defensive attitude when you look at DeJounte Murray, and I think he'll be a great fit for the Spurs in the near future. 
All right, let's finally talk about Markel Fultz, who is currently injured and out for the season. Markel is a guy that was drafted number one overall out of Washington, and I had a lot of hope for him coming into the NBA. For the first few years of his career, I thought he was a bust. He didn't get much playing time on the 76ers, but a lot of that was because Ben Simmons was playing ahead of him, and Ben Simmons is, in my opinion, one of the best point guards in the league. Markel is a very creative player. The way he moves and gets to the paint is very unique to most point guards in the league. The one thing that concerns me about Markel Fultz is his injury history. He's had a lot of issues with his shoulder, which has created problems with his shot in the past. Uh, Markel also is playing with a team that I don't think suits him very well. There's not many great shooters on this team, and he's very good at getting to the paint and dishing out to perimeter players. That's definitely a great point that you just touched on, Landon. I think Markel Fultz is a great playmaker, and I definitely see what you're saying about how difficult it was playing behind Ben Simmons, who's also another facilitator similar to Markel Fultz when he gets to the paint and dishes out to players. But I think the huge thing that you touched on for me regarding Markel Fultz that I have to agree with is the team he's surrounded by. He does have a little bit of talent. I do think that the Orlando Magic do have a bright future. I think the injury of Jonathan Isaac isn't good for them. I think that Aaron Gordon needs to pick up his productivity. But Nikola Vucevic is a great player. I think that he's got a lot of potential. He's one of the better big men in the league. Obviously, he's going to be a multi-time all-star after this season. Um, but I also think Evan Fournier, he's been picking up a good scoring load for the Magic, especially since Markel's gone down with that injury this year. Fournier's averaging close to 20 points a game right now. I just want to see more productivity from some other guys on that team. I don't think they're a very deep team. And especially when you're talking about a playmaker like Markel Fultz, it's important to surround yourself by a lot of talent because Markel Fultz is not a huge scorer. We didn't really see glimpses of that until this season before he got hurt. He had a couple 20-point games the end of last year, the beginning of this year. So I'm excited to see Markel Fultz get healthy again and come back because it looks like he was finally starting to turn things up and find his role in the league. So I believe that Markel does have a bright future too, but looking at these three players, I definitely believe that LaMelo Ball has the brightest future out of these three players and definitely will have the best NBA career. So after discussing Markel and DeJounte, who would you like to choose between those two guys? It's definitely such a tough debate for me, Landon, because I think DeJounte Murray and Markel Folds both have really bright futures. I think that DeJounte Murray is more of a defensive uh, emphasized guard. When I look at Markel Fultz, obviously he's been starting to turn it up on the scoring end lately. So it's definitely hard for me to compare those two players. I think that DeJounte Murray defensively will definitely be a better guard than Markel Fultz, but I think offensively Markel Fultz has more potential. But in the long scheme of things, I think that DeJounte Murray has a higher ceiling than Markel Fultz, which I think is huge. I think they both will have great careers, but the problem for Markel Fultz is staying healthy. Obviously, you touched on some problems with his shoulder earlier, and obviously he's injured again right now out for the season. So I hope that Markel can come back to the player that he was starting to become. But as of right now, I say DeJounte Murray, I would take over Markel Fultz. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I like DeJounte more than Markel at this point. I really think it's important to have a go-to shot. And DeJounte Murray shows game after game that his mid-range shot is something he can get to every single game. He also has shown some clutch shots. Like last night against the Warriors, he had a clutch three in the corner. I just don't think Markel has the scoring ability that DeJounte has. And I love DeJounte's defensive versatility and his attitude on the defensive end. So the next players that I want to talk about today are some young big men in the NBA that have very bright futures. DeMontis Sabonis... Bam Adebayo, and Christian Wood. 
and who do you think, Landon, is going to be the best in five years, and who do you currently think is the best right now? Man, in my opinion, Bam is the best right now and will be the best in five years. Not just his scoring and rebounding, but he's the, one of the best defenders in the league we have right now. He is versatile in the on the perimeter as a defender, and not only that, but he can block shots and protect the rim at a high rate. Bam is one of the best players in this league, I think, right now, and in five years, I think he could be a top 10 player in this league. He's already proven that he can be a winning player as the Heat went to the finals last year, and I think now more and more he's becoming a player that can go get his own shot and be a player that can be clutch in late game moments. Bam's another one of those players for the Heat that was a steal in the draft. He was drafted, I believe, around 12 to 13 and has turned into an all-star in his first three years of his career. I believe that the Heat have a very bright future with this star alongside them. All right. My opinion about this matter, I completely disagree. I believe that Bam Adebayo is a great player. I think that he definitely was a huge factor in the run that the Heat made last season. But looking at these three players, I definitely think that Christian Wood has the brightest future out of all three of them. I believe that Christian Wood right now is able to showcase the skill and talents that he really has based on the team that he's playing on. I believe that Christian Wood definitely is able to showcase his jump shot, that he can score the ball at all three levels. You've been seeing him take even more three-pointers this season than ever before, and it's because he's actually able to play. In Detroit, we were seeing bright flashes last season, 12 games before the hiatus, where he was averaging over 22 points a game and near 12 rebounds a game. Right now, he's putting up similar numbers for the Houston Rockets, averaging exactly 22 points a game and over 10 rebounds a game. He's able to show that he's an offensive threat, that he gets the job done offensively, and that he's just got a huge frame that he can blow by guys and he can shoot pull-up mid-range shots. This is something that I don't believe Bam Adebayo can do, just at the speed that Christian Wood can. Bam Adebayo does have a mid-range game, and so does DeMonta Sabonis, but Christian Wood is so much faster and quicker that I think that's a huge factor. I do believe that Bam Adebayo is a way better defensive player. I think Bam Adebayo is one of the best defensive players in the league. You look at the block that he had on Jason Tatum last year in the playoffs, one of the best blocks that I've ever seen. Probably the best besides LeBron on Andre Iguodala in the NBA Finals. But just looking at Christian Wood and how he plays and the energy that he brings on the court, you can tell that he plays with the chip on his shoulder. Obviously undrafted, just his storyline that he's gone through. His girlfriend broke up with him on draft night, like... Detroit is where he played his career like he's just come from nothing and just to see him turn into what he is you know that he has the work ethic to keep getting better he's not satisfied where he's at and I think that he's going to start earning more and more respect as this year goes on and it'll definitely be very interesting to watch him play and continue to see where he grows in the coming years. Luke I definitely agree with all these takes you had I love Christian Wood's story coming from an undrafted player to now being a future all-star the only thing that scares me about Christian Wood is the lack of experience he's had on the court. He's only been playing really for two years in the NBA, and he's been in and out of the league a lot. I do think his upside is extremely high, but I just need to see more from him to believe that he's better than Bam Adebayo. I think that's a great point. I think a huge part of this is the situations. Really in the game of basketball, that's what I feel like it comes down to. Obviously, Christian Wood didn't really even get that many minutes until injuries occurred on the Detroit Pistons last year. He also was playing in Detroit, one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then you look at Bam Adebayo, surrounded by huge talent like Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, players like that that are playing for a good team in a big market like Miami. Although Detroit is a big market, they're absolutely garbage. They've been one of the worst teams in the NBA for 
like three to five years now. So I don't really expect someone to get the attention they deserve in a market like that. And what you're saying about Christian Wood just not being super familiar on the court, being in and out of the league, it's he was playing for such a bad team and such a bad situation that once a coach finally had faith in him, they're able to showcase what he really can do. And I think the future will be bright for Christian Wood now that he's been able to get his name out there. I definitely don't see him going down from where he is right now only going up. And I think that's the difference is Bam Adebayo set the bar so high, playing for such a good team at such an early age. I think that all these guys are young. I mean, you look at Christian Wood, he's 25 years old. You look at Sabonis, he's 24. You look at Bam Adebayo, he's 23. Is These guys have huge ceilings. Sabonis, he's been playing so good this year for Indiana. He definitely stepped his game up another notch, which was the thing I was wondering about. He's averaging 54% shooting from the field, 38% from deep. Five and a half assists per game and over 20 points a game right now. He's also the fifth leading rebounder in the NBA at 11.7 rebounds. And he's just putting up numbers on a night in, night out basis. Triple double threat and he's showcasing how good of an offensive player he is. I think Sabonis also has a very bright future as well as Bam Adebayo obviously being a huge defensive threat. He's also averaging over 20 points a game right now which is very surprising for him. Almost double digits rebounds and 5.2 assists per game. But out of these three players, Bam Adebayo definitely, I believe, is the best shot blocker by far. Bam Adebayo is the best defensive player out of these three. And I think that all three of these players have bright futures. But I do believe that Christian Wood definitely will evolve the best. To bring up Sabonis, um, I really like his passing as a big man. Just like his father, he's shown that he can be a great passer. And with Jokic in the league, it proves to be that passing big men are big time in this league and that it can turn offenses into elite offenses in this league. I definitely agree with what you're saying, Landon. I think Sabonis has definitely shown his value through his passing ability. Like you touched on Jokic, the best passing big man in the NBA without a doubt. I'm pretty sure Jokic had an 18 assist game in the last couple weeks, which is absolutely insane because if you looked at that 20 years ago, you'd have no idea that that stat was actually real. So I think Sabonis definitely has the best passing out of all three of these big men. Although statistically it barely shows with Bam Adebayo slightly behind him just by three tenths of an assist per game, Sabonis definitely produces the most offensively for his team and I think that's a huge part of why I think Sabonis has such a bright future as well. So to recap these guys, I'd say I'd take Bam number one and then I'd take probably Christian Wood just because I like his defensive versatility a little bit more than DeMontis and I like his ability to shoot the three and he has a great mid-range game. And I really like all these guys, so there's no hate on any of these guys, but Bam is definitely my favorite out of these guys. Definitely recapping on what you had to say, Landon. I think personally that Christian Wood is the best out of these three. Christian Wood, DeMontis Sabonis, and then Bam Adebayo. But like you said, no hate to any of these guys. This is such a hard debate because all three of them have such high ceilings. They have so much potential, and they are playing so well for their teams right now. I do believe that all three of these big men should be all-stars this season. I think they're three of the best big men in the NBA, outside of Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. I think these guys are the future of big men in the NBA, power forwards and centers, and I think they've just done a great job of showing how they can turn the little talent that they had coming in the league into something big that can contribute to a huge playoff team down the stretch. So the next three players that we're going to be touching on today, Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, and Jalen Brown. Landon, who do you believe has the brightest future, and who do you believe is the best player right now out of these three? That's a really tough one, Luke. These are all guys that I really like and have very bright futures, and after the bubble, I would have taken Jamal Murray every day. 
but he seems to disappear every regular season, and that's very concerning. Jalen Brown this year has been one of the best players in the league, and right now he'd probably be the one I'd take. He's by far the best defender out of these three guys, and he's shown this year that he can be a great shot maker. And not only that, but he's improving his playmaking every year. Landon, I completely agree with what you had to say. I believe that Jalen Brown definitely has the brightest ceiling out of these three players, and I believe that he is the best player right now out of these three players. Like you said, Jamal Murray tends to disappear in the regular season. I need to see him establish consistency for him to be a real threat in my mind among guards because he just shows up for one night and disappears the next. He drops 40, drops 10 the next game. And it's something that he needs to develop um, if Denver wants to go any farther. They're not going to make it far if their second best player outside of Jokic can't score the ball at an efficient level. The thing is, he's not consistent. He can score the ball at all three levels, but he doesn't show up to play every single night. And that's just something down the stretch that's going to hurt Denver. I think that's what's hurt them in the playoffs, is obviously last year he performed the best he could play. So that's the thing that I'm saying is he's not going to perform that way again this year. And if they couldn't get past the conference finals last year, I don't see them getting past there again if their point guard's not even playing close to as good as he was last year. So that's something that I want to see with Jamal Murray if I even want to consider him. I would take Jalen Brown without a doubt. I think this year he's stepped it up a notch. The real question was Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who's going to be better? And I think the last couple years, the narrative has been Jason Tatum's the guy. But right now, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are so close stat-wise. Jason Tatum's averaging 26.7 points a game, where Jalen Brown's averaging 26.4. These guys are both showing up on a night-in, night-out basis, and it's not one of those things that one night one of them shows up, one night the next. Right now, they're both showing up on night on the same night. And I think that's huge for Boston, especially if they want to make a, a huge playoff run, make it to the finals. Obviously, they've come up short three of the last four years, losing in the conference finals. I think if they want to make the finals, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both need to be consistently averaging more than 25 points a game. They both need to be able to reciprocate off each other and play off each other like they are right now and do that on a night-in, night-out basis. Now, looking at Devin Booker, I think Booker has a bright future for sure. I think the addition of Chris Paul and Phoenix is huge for this team. I love talking about the Phoenix Suns. I've talked about them a lot in previous podcast episodes, but I think that Devin Booker definitely um, needs to step it up this year. Last year, he was averaging 26, 27 points a game, and I know they picked up Chris Paul, but right now he's averaging under 24 points a game. He hasn't been to, he hasn't been able to be consistent for this Suns team right now, and I think that's hurt them a little bit, especially with how balanced the NBA is. So I think that Jalen Brown definitely is the best player out of these three right now, and I also think he is the brightest future. All three of these guys are so young, and I think that they'll be very exciting to watch in the coming years. I do really like all three of these guys a lot. The thing that I don't like about Devin Booker in his game is that he seems to settle a lot for tough shots. He has proven to be a very tough shot maker, but sometimes I would wish he'd just take the easier shot when the game is on the line. He also is not known as the best playmaker in the league, and I think it's really good that Chris Paul is now on his team, but I think that's a part of his game that he needs to develop to be considered a superstar in this league. Jamal, I really like a lot too. He's one of my favorite players in this league, but his inconsistency again is one thing that's very concerning. He's a guy that I would love to get a last second bucket for me, but his inconsistency just again and again proves to be a problem for him. I definitely think that's a great point that you touched on, Landon. Booker's consistency definitely, he needs to establish that. But I just want to say thank you so much for hopping on today. I loved hearing your feedback, and I hope to have you on shortly. Thanks so much, Luke, for having me on. It was a blast talking basketball with you, and I can't wait for the next time we get to do this again.
So I got one more take that I want to talk to you guys about today, and then I'll just be talking about some stuff that's been going around the NBA in the last week or so. Um, the three players that I want to compare for you are RJ Barrett, Tyler Hero, and Tyrese Halliburton. And what I think um, I'm going to see from these guys in the future and what I think they're going to be able to accomplish this season with their teams. So looking at RJ Barrett and the Knicks, I think RJ Barrett, he's a great playmaker. He's definitely become more comfortable on the court. You definitely can tell that this year. And I think the addition of Derrick Rose is actually great for him just to help boost that confidence even more. He doesn't have to feel like he has to carry that load as much. Whereas I think before they had Derrick Rose, he felt like if he didn't have a good game offensively that this team was going to lose. And that pretty much was the case, honestly, um, just because Alec Burks obviously been injured. They didn't have Austin Rivers the whole season so far. So RJ Barrett was the huge dominant player um, just at the guard basis for scoring for this team. So I think the addition of Derrick Rose is going to be nice for him. But RJ Barrett's been a great playmaker for this team. He's averaging 17 points a game. He's looking very comfortable and composed. And I think that's huge with a young team like the Knicks. If you have a second-year player that looks like he's been out there and that he's used to playing in an environment like this, I think that's definitely going to set the Knicks up for success. I hope the best for the Knicks this season. Julius Randle, I expect him to be an all-star. I hope the Knicks are able to squeeze in the playoffs or at least play that play-in game because they have a lot of young talent on this team, especially with the addition of Derrick Rose, a veteran leader who's got experience in the NBA. I think this team is bound for success, and I think R.J. Barrett has a bright future under New York. Now the next player I want to talk about, Tyler Hero. He's also got a super bright future, I believe, down in Miami. He's a great shooter, he's great off the dribble, and he's just a great playmaker for this team. He's a great facilitator. Obviously, he's been playing some point guard and shooting guard for this squad, but he's got a great handle, and I think that's huge um, just for Tyler Hero because obviously he's played shooting guard. The fact that he can handle the ball so well I think is definitely beneficial where they can move him into that point guard spot for Miami. I think Miami has a bright future like I touched on Bam Adebayo, another great player. I think that Tyler Hero complements him very well. Tyler Hero is able to find guys open, and he can go off on the offensive scoreboard every couple nights, which I think is a great asset to have, especially when you're looking at a contending team like Miami last season. I'm not so sure they're going to be a contending team this year, but I just hope that they're able to turn things around and that Tyler Hero is able to keep playing comfortable and that this team is able to figure out the glue that got them to the finals last year. The last player that I'm touching on today that I want to compare about is Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's a great player. He's definitely shown that he's comfortable on the court. I think that's so big talking about all three of these guys. Halliburton, obviously his rookie season. Tyler Hero and RJ Barrett in their second years. I think that it's huge how comfortable these guys are able to play. Tyrese Halliburton, obviously his shot form is a little bit different. It's a little unique. You don't see a lot of guys with a shot like Tyrese Halliburton, but he's able to produce. He puts up six or seven assists, six or seven rebounds a game, as well as around double-digit points. And I see similarities in Tyrese Halliburton with LaMelo Ball. I just think that LaMelo Ball is a way more advanced version and a way quicker, more athletic version. But Halliburton, he's got the size. He's a big guard. He's comfortable. He gets rebounds. He gets assists. He produces for his team. I see Tyrese Halliburton having a very bright future in the NBA. I see him definitely sticking around. I can see him becoming a starter sometime. It's very hard because he plays behind De'Aaron Fox right now, but I can see him if he goes elsewhere being a starter. He's just a great facilitator, old-fashioned point guard. I think he plays very well, and 
I think all three of these guys definitely all have bright futures. I think the player out of these three with the brightest future is R.J. Barrett. I just think under the system in New York, he kind of is one of the faces of the franchise. Obviously, Randall's been huge this year, but R.J. Barrett's the hype around that team. And when you look at Tyler Hero and Tyrese Halberton, they're like third or fourth options for their team, whereas R.J. Barrett, he's the second option for this team right now. And so I think it's huge just for R.J. Barrett to be able to develop into such a good player because he has such high expectations. So I do think that he will be the best out of these three players, but I do see all three of these players definitely sticking around for a while. I think they'll all have great NBA careers, and that's my evaluation right now. I think they're all three have great seasons. I think R.J. Barrett is probably having the best season, but Tyler Hero is also putting up numbers offensively, and Halliburton, he's just a rookie, and he's getting better every single game. So I definitely see bright futures with all three of these players, but if I was going to pick my favorite player, that I would take in the next couple years, it would be RJ Barrett. So that's all I have for you regarding player comparisons today. I just want to be able to provide some analysis on young guys in the NBA. Obviously, these kind of players are so exciting to talk about just because they have so much time to develop still, and you just have no idea where the future could take them. Because you look at players like Giannis Antetokounmpo, he wasn't expected to be as good as he is. Luka Doncic, he was expected to be good, but not as good at how early he is right now. So there are certain guys that... It's just you're always wondering who's going to be the next star of the league. And so I love talking about these young guys and what they bring for their teams and what I expect to see from them in the future. But just talking about some stuff around the NBA, the next team that I wanted to touch on today in my podcast episode is the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz right now are looking pretty scary. And honestly, if I was another team in the NBA, I would not want to have to play Utah anytime soon. They've won 14 of their last 15 games. They just beat Boston this past week. They looked really good against Boston. I'll tell you what, they look like a deep team. Gobert, he's producing night in and night out. He's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. Definitely cleaning up the offensive glass, which is huge. Donovan Mitchell creating. He dropped 36-9, and and I think that's just huge. That The best player on your team can just go off against a good team. That definitely shows the depth on the team. Jordan Clarkson averaging 17.4 points a game right now. He's been huge for this team. I definitely believe that he's a sixth man of the year candidate. Just his levels of productivity have just been huge for this Jazz squad, and he's been able to be an in-depth scorer off the bench for them. Bogdanovich and Ingles been shooting the lights out, and someone that I really want to touch on is Royce O'Neal. Against the Boston Celtics, he was going off. He was shooting the three ball very well. And that's something that I think is super cool is you look at guys like Royce O'Neal or Georges Yang. These guys are not super big names, but they know their role. And I think that's huge when talking about the Utah Jazz. Right now, it seems like all these guys know their role. Obviously, Mike Conley, facilitator. You look at Donovan Mitchell, primary score. Bogdanovich and Ingles, they're three-point shooters. They create and they're defensive machines. Obviously, Ingles is slower and older. Bogdanovich, he's a little bit bigger too, but they're both big forwards for small forwards and they can shoot. And so I think that defensively, they're definitely active and they, they bring a lot for this team. And then you have Gobert, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Then you look at their bench, Royce O'Neal, Georges Nyang, um, Jordan Clarkson. There's three guys right there. Those are eight key guys on that team that I think all know their role and are a huge part of the Jazz success through the last 15 games. Now, Utah, the hottest team in the NBA right now, like I said, nobody wants to play them, but if they can keep this up, I definitely see the Jazz being able to pull away. You're starting to see that right now. They're 20 and 5. Some of the other teams in the NBA, the Lakers, they're 19 and 6, 19 and 7, I believe. Um, Milwaukee, 16 and 8. So to have the Jazz up in that company with only five losses and 20 wins, they're the first team at 20 wins this season. It definitely goes to show that Utah deserves some respect 
just because you look at how balanced the NBA is. The Suns are 12 and 9 or 13 and 9 and they are the the 4 or 5 seed in the West. You look at Portland they're 13 and 10 and they're the 5 or 6 seed in the West. So it's just one of those things that the NBA is so balanced this year. So for Utah to have a 80% win percentage so far through the season, I think that's just huge and a huge confidence booster that they just need to keep this momentum rolling because of how balanced the NBA is. These couple games that they're ahead of everyone else is definitely going to benefit them in the long run. I'm excited to see what Utah can bring to the table for the rest of the year. The Brooklyn Nets, the last topic that I'm going to be talking about today and just what I think about them so far. I think that Kyrie Irving went out and he talked about all these issues that the team had. And I'll be honest with you, it really frustrates me that Kyrie has such a big voice on this team because I think he's a huge part of this issue. You look at his attitude, he sat out earlier this season, and now he's coming back and all he's doing is complaining. They have three of the best players in the NBA, they're losing because none of them want to play defense, and he's just out here complaining about how they're not good enough. They have the most loaded lineup in the NBA, and he's out here saying they're not good enough, everything's going wrong, just complaining about Kevin Durant not being able to play because of the COVID protocols. But guess what? He's not going out and playing, he's just sitting there and whining about it. And the thing is that I'm so frustrated about, Kyrie Irving, he just doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's one of the best basketball players in the world, and he just doesn't care. And I think that something that's going to hold the Brooklyn Nets back is Kyrie Irving. I think it's best that either they look at an option to move on from Kyrie Irving or just shut him out. Because right now, I've lost a lot of respect for Kyrie Irving, especially this season, because he's not a team player. He's not the kind of leader that I want leading my team. It's toxic in Brooklyn right now. And that's the last thing they need when they're trying to win a championship with a first-year coach. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and he's complaining. Every single game, we don't have the talent. We're not good enough. The league's screwing us over. Everything that goes wrong is only going to happen to us. Kyrie Irving, he just needs to stop talking, and the Brooklyn Nets need to go out there and play. They need to stop losing games. They just need to get the job done defensively and start winning games. That's what I have to say about the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, I'm very heated about just the comments that Kyrie Irving's made because you look at his attitude before they got hardened. He's just sitting out, and he's been an issue when he was in Boston as well. Ever since they won in Cleveland, he's just been a problem. And I think sometimes it's best to just avoid the toxicity and just move on. And I think that Kyrie Irving, if that team wants to go anywhere, he needs to change around his leadership skills and he needs to bring a positive vibe to that team. Because if you're constantly being put down, no one wants to play on a team like that, no matter who's on the team. So that's what I have to say about the Brooklyn Nets. That's also all I have to talk about for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you guys again shortly. <laughs>